So I once misspelled a word on a client's order. <laughs> my name is Cecilia and welcome to my podcast if you're listening. I really appreciate. Um, today I want to talk about some of my worst experiences being self-employed. I did a video, an episode, sorry, an episode, the episode before this one, I talked about um, some of the highlights, my highlights of being self-employed and why I love being self-employed. So I decided to do a part two of that and talk about some of my worst stories and worst experiences being, being self-employed. And yeah, that's what we are going to get into today. So I have four main stories and I think we'll just go straight into it because I don't know how long this is going to take. And yes, let's just begin. I hope everyone is okay, by the way, just saying, I hope you're all okay and that you're staying safe and that you're staying home. So let's start. So um, I mentioned in episode two that I registered my company in June 2014 and I was able to be employed a full eight to five job and uh, run my side hustle for a year before I was fired. So I was fired the next year in end of April 2015. And yeah, I was not fired because my boss found out that I was running a side hustle. I was fired because no one, the whole actually marketing department was fired because we were not meeting our targets in case you didn't know that or in case you've not listened to episode two. Uh, so that's why we were fired. So for that one year, I was able to have a full eight to five job and run my concurrent uh, side hustle. So this time, uh, when I was still running the side hustle, a client gave me a job for shirts, uh, branding some formal shirts for the launch of their branch in Uganda. And um, I was not able, I remember I was not able to see the actual work because there were times... I was able to sneak out of the office and go and check uh, check up on my work. I could say I'm going for a meeting and in the process of going for a meeting, I would go and find time and look for look at an order in case there was a job that was ongoing. I would look at the job and see if the process is good, if it's still ongoing well, stuff like that. So this time when we got these shots, I think it was really busy in the office. I was not able to go, but my colleague who we opened the company with he was the accountant in our office i think he was on leave at that time so he was the only one who was able to go to the factory and make a follow-up on the order and stuff like that so i remember calling him and telling him we've gotten shots this is the second time we were doing shots for this client uh so the first shots we did was for the launch of uh their branch here in kenya and then now the second sh order of shots we did was for their launch in uganda um, so, uh, I told him, here's the logo, I sent him the logo and we do, they'd already, we'd already done samples for the client. The client had approved the work. We already had the LPO. And so we were just in the process of now producing the shots. I think there were a hundred shots. If I'm, I think there were a hundred shots if I'm not wrong. Yeah. So in the process of producing the shots. So, um, how it works is that, uh, once the the client usually sends you what they want on the shirt, the kind of shirt that they want, uh, you provide them with a sample. They're like, yeah, this is the shirt we want, so that they can also see the shirt up close and also feel the material that it's not a lightweight. It's something quality that their staff can wear. Once that's approved, they also tell you. You also discuss where the logo is placed, whether it's the front right pocket, maybe the sleeves, maybe the back. It depends. I can't remember where the how many 
logos were on that shirt but i remember it was i think there was a front right pocket and i think there was branding at the back but i cannot remember that was in 2014 end of 2014 early 2015 so um so we got the logo i gave my colleague the samples had been approved on everything so what we were doing is just uh doing the actual work now the the full bulk the 100 shirts and I don't know. Okay, so how it works is that you give your logo to the there's usually a designer at this factory. There's usually a designer who converts the logo into there's this format where it looks like it counts the number of stitches that are placed on the logo. So when you look at that logo you've given the designer at the factory, it looks like you you can see the stitches on the logo. And I think this is supposed to get the machine that's used to brand the shirts. I'm not really sure. I just know that the logo you give any factory that deals with uh, branding of shirts and t-shirts they use that software to convert that logo into that format where it looks like it's you can count the number of stitches i think it counts the number of stitches or something like that so i think in the process on converting because i was not there it's my colleague who was handling it the designer i think deleted a word a letter on the on the logo without being aware i cannot remember i think they because i was not there so i think they deleted the one letter from the word and they were not aware and the my colleague who was there he was a kikuyu and no offense to the kikuyus i'm sorry but the shirt the way the the, the letter the way it came out um it was more like a shrub on the on the shirt uh he um so he didn't notice that the spelling to this word was wrong. So the word was launch. So it was the com- it was the company name and then the word launch. But the letter um I think it's the letter yeah, the letter N was missing. So it was launch. So it was company name launch. And he didn't notice that one letter was missing. I was not there to be able to look at the shirt to tell. So I had entrusted him because he was the one who was on leave to follow up on everything and ensure the client, since the sample was approved, everything is okay. Mark you, the sample was perfect. The sample spelling was okay. Uh, so there was so much pressure. I don't even know if we did a sample, now that I'm even talking about a sample. I don't, do even, I don't know if we did a sample. I can't recall, but maybe we did. I think we did. But I remember the sample was approved and the sample was okay. So, um, um, what's this? So, the shirts were urgent. That was the other challenge. And this is one of the reasons why I don't take, I usually avoid taking work that is really rushed because there's always so many mistakes usually happen and sometimes you cannot tell because of the pressure that you're getting to do and deliver the work so the procurement manager was giving us pressure and we had like three days which is actually luckily this person that we worked with we had a relationship with them so they agreed to do those shots within three to four days which no one would ever agree shots take like a week seven days sometimes seven to ten days to be able to be stitched cut stitched branded ironed packaged all that stuff we're, we're working with 10 days and that depends with how many they are i'm working with 100 pieces if it's like 500 
we're talking two weeks. So the fact that he was able to do those shots within three to four days was even a miracle. So with all this pressure, no one noticed that my colleague didn't notice that the letter was misspelled. No one at the factory noticed, but they, they never, most of these factories, even if they did notice, sometimes they never say anything, I feel, because they leave it to you to confirm. Because every time they do a sample, you're there next to them. They show you the shirt, you say it's okay. You actually sign somewhere to say that this shirt is perfect, go ahead. So they rely on you to give them, like, to tell them that everything with this shirt is fine. So the shirts were completed within those three days, packaged, sent to the office in Nairobi. The procurement manager looked at them, liked them. He also did notice that the word launch was missing one letter. Shirts were packaged because of the pressure. Shirts were packaged, sent to Uganda. So I'm happy because we finished the job, we finished the order, it was rushed, whatever, but luckily the shirts made it to Uganda in time. So I remember I receive a call when I'm in a bus going down Valley Road and this client is calling me and I'm like, hey, hi, what's up? And they're like, Cecilia, the shirt has a mistake. And I'm like, what do you mean the shirt has a mistake? We brought the shirt to you. You saw the shirt. You told me the shirts are already in Uganda. She's like, then he's like, yeah, yeah, the shirts have a mistake. You, the word launch is missing the letter N. So it's launch it's like launch <laughs> hey. and he didn't even notice so what happened the i think the boss in the uganda branch who was uh, a white a white guy took a photo of himself wearing the shirt on the day of the launch not at the prior on the day of the launch he puts on the shirt notices that the branding the word launch has one letter missing takes a photo sends to the procurement manager in nairobi the procurement manager calls me and then sends me the photo and is like yes there's an error in the shirt so i call my colleague and i'm like yo dude you did not see that the word launch was missing a letter he's like what do you mean the word launch is missing a letter so i'm like you spelled launch like L-A-U-C-H instead of L-A-U-N-C-H, like launch. I think I'm even, yeah. So he's like, no, I didn't notice. So I send him the photo and I'm like, look at this. So we start asking, can the shirts, we didn't even know that that was the day, the day I was getting called was the day of the launch. We didn't even know that. So um, the client told us, this later. So I remember telling the client, the shirts can be sent back to Nairobi. We can uh, change them and send them back to you. Then he's like, no, today is the day of the launch. So there's no way we can send the shirts back. <laughs> so it's the day of the launch. These people are opening a new branch in a new country. The shirts have the word launch with one letter missing. Let me tell you. There's no way you can get out of that. Like, how do you even explain? I just remember being like, you know, whatever happens, happens. So eventually, nothing could have been done. That was the day of the launch. They had to take, I don't even know if they took photos with those shirts with that letter missing. I don't, I, I could not even ask. 
but I'm sure photos were taken. Evidence is there that these people do not know how to spell the word launch, but yeah, that, that happened. So it became kind of an issue because now the procurement manager in Kenya was like, uh, we made a mistake. And I was like, you also didn't see that these shirts had a mistake. I don't think he even looked at them. But, you know, you say that in the most, pol in the politest way. You don't want to sound rude because you're already in shit. So the client was like, so the, the client, the procurement manager in Nairobi said that they have to write a letter and we have to be removed from the list of suppliers because of that mistake. And yeah, that's how we stopped working for that company, honestly. And so a letter was, an email was written to us and we were told that we can no longer work with them because of that. And I just remember feeling so bad because they were one of our biggest clients and I felt so bad. And I remember, I remember even trying to explain to him, like, do you remember you wanted these things so quick, so fast? Like we did shots in three days. It's not even, no one even does shots in three days, but you see what had been, what had happened had happened. There's nothing we could have done about it. And that is how we lost that client, by the way. Um... Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I don't do rushed jobs because I have experienced a big... I've literally lost a client because of rushing a job. Because at that time when the procurement manager or marketing manager is giving you pressure to deliver or is giving you a short timeline to deliver, at that time, no one ever thinks about the mistakes that might happen when that job is delivered. No one ever thinks about it. At that time, everyone is thinking about, we want this thing, we want this thing. But the, the problem with rushing jobs is that no one takes the time to look at the small details. And that's where now things happen. And that's where you can easily get blacklisted by a company because of an error. That is just how we stopped working for that company because of that one mistake. So that is story number one. Story number two. <sighs> shirts again i'm telling you it's it's i think there's an issue with shirts, which i deliver shirt like t-shirts i do well but shirts i think that is why i work with uh most of the time th these days i give people a good grace grace time like good time to like i never rush shirt jobs because i think i've been beaten twice and i don't think i can handle it again so anyway so this is shirts again and this so these shirts were for some company and so this client was like, um, we'd like 70 shirts for our clients. They were, this was the first time working with this company. And yeah, so I went, I, we did a quotation sent. Then they were like, they want samples. I told them that we only do one sample because what clients sometimes forget to realize is that samples cost money. They're not free. You give it to the client for free. You're not like charging them for the sample. But for us, the people who are doing the sample for you, it costs money. So we pay for it. So the I told the client, our limit on samples is one sample. So they were like, okay, so we did the one sample, sent to them. They love the shirt. Then two days later, they send me an email and they're like, uh, so we want, no, they asked me to come to the office. So when I went to their office, they were like, so we want, yes, we've seen the sample. It's nice, but we want two samples that are made specifically to fit two specific people. And I'm like, what? Okay. That has never happened before. 
like people requesting for a sample that specifically fits someone because you see the the thing with a sample a sample is general it you just pick a size like a large or the client can decide give me a sample for this shirt in size large or size small or size medium and you just provide the one sample the sample is meant to approve that the material you're using is good quality that the logo is placed correctly and stuff like that so i've done one sample for this client then they asked me to do two samples one for a man another one for a lady to fit them to size so here cecilia i don't even know how to measure people so i had to go to youtube looked this is how you take measurements of um, like shoulders like shoulders chest and sijui breast or something like that so i went learned on youtube bought a measuring tape went these are senior these are very senior people that i was meeting so we found them ready took the measurements did two samples took them to the client they liked the sample they actually did not complain about the sample and then they said that what did they say yeah so one of the this is like a prestigious institution and like they deal with with a specific niche of people people with money <coughs> sorry so so they tell me like uh yeah thank you for the two samples and the lady was like um so is it possible for this shirt to have darts at the back like i don't know if you, you don't even know what darts are if you don't know just google d-a-r-t-s like that's at the back and she had brought a sample of a shirt that she had bought at forever 21 or something like that and they were like she was like we she wants us to recreate the, the shirt that we've made to look like this shirt from forever 21 and i'm like okay uh first the factories we work with here work with a specific like template they are flexible i'm not saying they're not flexible but you cannot compare a shirt made here in kenya in the factories with a shirt that has been made at forever 21 like you cannot even compare the two so i ex clearly explained to the client that it's impossible for us to meet this kind of shirt because i'd already talked to the factory and they said they were not in a position to do so so i told them and so the marketing assistant that i was talking to that time i briefed him i told him this is this is the best shirt we can get this one that i've done with uh with this is the price and this is the best shirt we can do we can't do all the extra fancy darts all these things we cannot do it and the client uh, said okay no problem so i gave them some time they thought about it then they told me we are ready to do the shirts uh come and measure people and take their measurements so a whole afternoon i spent me and someone else who were measuring the staff who needed shirts and yeah we wrote down their names and all their measurements so we were ready to do the job so we did the job delivered the shirts took them to the client after i think seven to eight days we did the shirts took them to the client so this client received the shirts uh i remember then i was i was i'm not the one i was not even in the office i think i had gone for a funeral or something 
So the border border guy that I sent told me that, oh, the client has said he will stay with the invoice. He will sign it once he's looked through the shirt. So I'm like, it's fine. Because they already approved the shirt that I'd given them. And they said it's okay. So I wait one day, two days. So day three, I get a call and I'm told, please come to the... Um, Please come to the office. So I go to the office and the guy shows me the shirts where they are in the boxes. And he's like, oh, here are the shirts. The issue is that these shirts were white. So they're like, the issue is that these shirts are have, some of them have like dirt spots, like small brown spots. And we need them to be washed before we can sign the invoice. He did not say that the shirts were bad. He just said that some of them were dirty. He needs them washed. So... This was, I was, I had a feeling that this was not going to be a good thing. I, it's going to, this client was going to be a problem after that incident. Because please note that we work with factories. Factories handle tons of things. This is a white shirt. It's practically impossible for it to come completely stain free. And the things I was being told to return and clean were not like, major things or like small it's people's hands you know when they're when the shirt is being stitched and then the logo being placed the packaging the like small things there were nothing major and my assumption was that if i deliver shirts to you there's no way you're putting on that shirt without cleaning it Ever. Even if you were to buy something at, Wood at Woolworths, I would not expect, okay, this is me, I would never just put it on straight away. I'll have to wash it because you don't know how many people have tried that item on. You don't know how their bodies are. You know, you don't know how many people have handled that thing. It's only right to wash the item then put it on. So I thought that even if the shirt had a small stain, it was like a small brown stain here and there, they are from a factory that this as in after they've distributed the shirts, they're still going to wash them before they put them on. So the client was like, that was my assumption. So that's why I, we, we, we try and reduce as much dirt as possible, especially when you're dealing with anything white. We try and ensure that they don't get dirty. And even when you're speaking to the factory, you tell them, please ensure that there are no marks on these shirts. But sometimes it's unavoidable. So... So I'm at the store with this client and they're like, yeah, you need to go back with these shirts, clean them, bring them back. So I'm like, okay. So we sort through the shirts that he wants cleaned. We took them. I wanted to take them. So I'll just be honest. I wanted to take those shirts to a, what is it called? To a laundry mat to be washed. But we were given the cost of cleaning those shirts. It was so expensive. I was like, no. There's no way I'm taking these shirts to a laundromat. And these are small, tiny spots. So what I did, I just told my colleague, let's do this. We're going, we found time, bucket, water. We didn't go to work like some afternoon. We left the office early. A bucket with water and washed those shirts, like physically washed. Because the stains we're talking about are not big stains. They were like small, tiny dots on specific shirts or specific spots. So we literally washed these shirts at my place. Hung them, they dried. We didn't iron them. Then folded them, and after I think three days, I took them back to the client. <laughs> so the client stays with the shirt another two two days. I said two to three days. I can't even recall. 
Then they send me a long email after three days saying that the shirts have been rejected. I was so pissed. I was so mad. Because I remember, please note, as a small business, your money is not, you don't have, have like extra cash just laying around to do stuff. We were waiting for a payment to come through so we can be able to do these shots because this client said immediately we do the job, they're just going to pay us. We're not even waiting for the 30 days, they were willing to pay us within the week. So these shots, they, I was explained to them that these shots cannot be done in that fancy Forever 21 style. They approved the shot that I took. I had already done three samples, which they were okay with. We delivered the shots. They told us to wash the shots. We washed, took them back. They stayed with the shots for a couple of days. Then called us, not even called us, sent me a long email saying that the job has been rejected. I just remember I did not even respond to that email. What I did is just call my Boda Boda guy. Then I called the assistant, the head, the assistant marketing person, and I just told him to organize for all the shots to be collected. I will send someone there in the next couple of hours. I just set a timeline. I asked him how long you think it will take to gather the shots. He told me, and I sent someone, and someone went and collected all the shots. And they are still in my office to this day. I have mint shots. I had like 70 pieces of mint shirts just in the office, just laying there with good branding, shirts that I paid for, shirts that mark you, if a job is rejected, you're not paid for that job. I was never paid for that job. So with that one, I was upset because I'd already communicated to the client that we were not able to do the fancy shirts that they were looking for. It was very easy for them to tell me then if you, if you can't do the fancy shirts and stuff, then let's not proceed. Let me look for somebody else because they already had somebody else that they were working with. Let us look for someone who can do that. I didn't have a problem with that. I never have a problem with a client wanting to look for someone else to do something for them if they feel that I cannot meet that standard. Number, number two or number three, I can't even remember now. Uh, they made me do the shots, which I did. And they gave me a go ahead with the sample that I did. So I gave the factory, once a sample is approved, you take back the shot from the client. You take it back to the factory and you tell them, so remove, if it's 50 or 100, whatever shots of this same shot, I want 70 pieces and here are the sizes. And they did that and we delivered. And I, I did that. They gave me the go ahead and I did that. And then you tell me to return the shirts, to wash the shirts because they are, ty they, are, they are dirty, which I do. This whole time you don't tell me that this shirt, you're not happy with the shirt. And then after another three to four days, you send me an email. It was not even a call. It was just an email rejecting the job. I was so upset. Actually, I don't think I can ever work with that client again. No offense, but no, because I felt what they did was not right. And I remember I spoke to uh, another client who had worked with the head of marketing of that, the, the current client that I was delivering for the shirts. And this client told me that, uh, that this, the, the head of marketing there was, that's something that has been done before that sometimes 
decisions can be made like say you've given someone a job and then in between you decide no this is not what we are looking for but you forget that as a small business i've used my money to do your shirt and i'm not getting paid because the lpo clearly states that if you do not deliver things according to what they want you cannot get paid but i delivered what they approved but i still didn't get paid for that job so that was a loss right there and i remember someone uh as a client who told me that maybe i should think of asking a lawyer or talking to a lawyer to try and ask them to pay even if it's an amount because then they had approved a specific sample they had signed off a specific sample and that's what i replicated but you know what at that point i was just tired i don't think i wanted to like follow up or deal with this client i already i was done so i counted that as a loss and that was it i feel like that was a long story <laughs> but to this day i have a box a full box full of 70 shirts that i don't even use so yes that is story number 2 number 3 um when i was still employed now when i was employed and i'm running the side hustle um this once i got one of the clients that i had got uh was this bank and they had asked me for a quotation to quote for something specific so i saw the email and it was a couple of things and i told my boss oh the client wants this please send a quotation and i remember now telling my colleague this the the person i had re, uh, re opened the company with and i remember telling him that you know we can quote for this job because this looks like something we can do and so he asked me do you think we should just do a quote and send because this client used to deal with me they knew me and they knew i was doing a quotation with i was doing a quotation using the like where i was employed like that asked us as the company where i was employed to quote but i decided to be a big head and just do the quote myself also like send a competitive quote so once my boss sends the quote I look at the price because I have to be cc'd in the email and then just quote slightly lower than what my boss quotes. So that's what I decided to do. So I told my colleague like, yeah, I think we can do this quote and this is a client I think I can talk to. Mark you, I had not told them that I was going to do that. I just decided to do it thinking that they'll just be cool and just be like, okay, fine. I'm saying you have you have sent a quote. They knew I had I had a company. and i was doing these things on the side i had told them but i had never worked with them before and so i thought by just sending this quote and because my price is lower than my where i was employed they are just going to give me the job and they'll be understanding hey shock on me shock <laughs> so i sent the quote so my boss sent the quote then a few hours later i sent the quote my a quote with my company Then I get a call. And this client calls me and is like, "Eh, Cecilia, uh I'm seeing you've sent me the quote for the office. I appreciate, but I've seen you've also sent me a quotation, but I did not ask you for a quotation. I sent the email to the company." <sighs> this is the first days when I'm still new at this um self-employment and running a side hustle. So I was just being ballsy for nothing. So I'm like, "Yes, I thought I can quote because i've seen you send the quote so i decided to just do the quotation then she's like no 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 you cannot do that because i did not send the email to you i sent you i sent it to your office not you as an individual 
So I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Uh, I should have talked to you first. They're like, you know, actually, uh, I can easily just tell your boss what you're doing because this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. I'm like, what Jesus, Kwisha Mimi, I'm getting fired. So I had to talk to them. I'm like, no, 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 don't tell my boss. It's okay. I will not, I will not. I'm sorry I sent the quotation without asking you. I just told them, I'm sorry I sent the quotation without asking you first. And I understand that you did not send the email to me, but you sent it to the company. Because like when you get corporate emails, some emails have something written at the bottom there. Like this email is intended for the person it's been sent to. And if you're not the recipient of this email, kindly do not respond to this email. That is the day I found out that there's usually those words at the bottom. Yes. So I had to talk to this client and I told them like, yo, I can't. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I was not. I was, I just thought that I can do a quote. They're like, no, what you've done in draw. So your punishment is that even you as a company, as now the company is working for, just know that I will not consider you for the quotation. I was like, okay. So that is how these days I like I learned that the hard way from that point on, I never did a quotation for a client without speaking to them first. I was actually very careful. Actually, I think that really scared me because I was about to get fired because it was very easy for, because she knew my boss, she could have easily called my boss and just told him like, Cecilia just sent me a quotation. She's doing this thing on the side. I think you should look out for her. It's not right what she did. I could have just gotten fired. Luckily, she did not tell my boss. We did not get to do the job as the company where I was employed, and it was my fault. And I, yeah, I just took that, and I said I learned that the hard way. That actually scared me. I won't even lie. And it took me a time, some time before I could even approach clients that I was working with uh, anymore. So it, I had to figure out how to now approach clients and not just be a wild card and just respond to quotations just because they've been sent to the to our office email. I just assume the quotation is for me. So please, if you're doing that or you're currently doing that, please read the emails. Some of these corporate clients, read the emails at the bottom. Don't just respond to a quotation just because you know this client. It doesn't mean that just because you know each other that they'll give you the job. No, 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 no. You need to be careful. So after that, I used to just sit down with my client or I call them and I tell them, listen, I have opened my own company because of reason X, Y. If you want to work with me, it's fine. This is my email. If you want to ask me for quotations, I don't mind doing. If not, it's okay too. So you just tell me when you're sending in quotations, if you want me to quote, I can quote. If not, it's fine. I learned that the hard way. And the last story. <laughs> oh my God, I feel like this video has gone. This audio is, is going to, this this thing is going to be long, but it's okay. And story number four. Um, so this is now after I've already been fired from my job. Years later, I think like two years later, uh, business was good, so I, uh, me and my colleague decided to open another business. We decided to open a spare part business in Dagoriti Corner. Let me tell you, I don't, as in, the only reason we opened that spare part business is because people pressured us and told us, like, you know, spare parts has money, you know, if you want to make quick money, you can open a spare parts business or a hardware. I never fall for those tricks anymore. No more. I think it's important for people to open businesses in things that they are good at. Not because that that industry is 
is is is making money or not yeah it's making money for that person for that person who is interested in that business and not per se doesn't per se mean that it works for you as an individual that is my experience if someone has a different opinion i would like to hear but i'm just saying i was never interested in cars neither was my colleague interested in cars but because people told us the spare parts is the business we decided to open a spare part business in Dagoretti Corner. Hey. So I remember there was a day we used to spend like afternoons in Uko Grogon, Kerenyaga Road. Uh, to, uh, my mom's my mom's friend, the husband has a spare part shop, a big one. And so they were teaching us like these are the things you need, these are the essentials of a shop. There is the what is it called? Oil filter, air filter, some switches. Like we were just being given the basic things to start the shop because we wanted just a basic, we needed the basics to start the spare part shop. And we went and bought belts for cars. We bought brake pads and oh man, we bought a lot of things. Like now that's what this guy was guiding us to buy. So we bought the things like the basics and we ran a spare part business for a year. We closed it like, like we started it in February and then we closed it in December because we realized none of us was actually good at these car things. And then where our shop was located was like inside a building. And so people would not like mechanics would never come there to, to ask for anything unless they have looked everywhere else. And then they are like, they, let's say they're looking for something specific and they look everywhere else and they can't find it. And then that's when they come to my shop and they'd ask like do you have this and we are like no do you have this pack plug no we don't have and yeah so we didn't that business didn't do well i remember we eventually when we closed it i just walked around shops there and i i sold most of the things at at a reduced price i negotiated with people and i was able to sell off most of the things i have i still have a couple of things at my parents place like belts and acid water and battery water i guess it's called battery water and something water those the water things for the cars you see i don't even know what those things are and i have a whole carton in my parents place so yeah um in case you have a spare part by the way and you're interested in buying some things you can <laughs> drop me a message here or on instagram and i can we can i can show you the photos of the things that i have and maybe we can sell most some of them off not not a lot has remained by the way very few things there's those battery acid and battery water and then there was this specific oil that there's total this shell but there's another one that's dark blue and dark red that is sold mostly matatus are the ones that use it we used to have it that thing never used to go it just used to stay there at the shelves so yeah anyway so i opened a business because people thought that people say that that business has money and then we later realized it didn't have actually the only thing we actually sold which i would be proud of is that I was able to call taxis company, ta taxi companies, and there's one taxi company that I would always supply oil, uh, oil filters. So I would supply with them with oils for Shell. They are called those X something, X5. So those oils, every Friday I would supply oil, oil filter, and air filters. 
would always supply every Friday. That's the proudest moment of running that shop, honestly. I just use the strategy that I use when I'm, when I'm doing my printing and branding with the corporates. And I just called various taxi companies. And luckily, we found one that wanted us to supply them with those things. But eventually, that taxi company opened their own garage. And therefore, they used to just source for their own things directly from wherever. I don't know. From the from Kirinyaga Road, from the wholesalers. I don't know. So they stopped buying from us. So that's why we decided to even just close that shop. Uh, but when I was running that shop, we had a machine for tokens. I learned how to sell electricity tokens and those things i still have that machine with me to date so i learned a couple of things but my lesson from that experience was don't open a business because people are saying that at this industry has money open a business because you have some sort of passion towards it or you think it's something that can be done even i wished i sometimes i sit back and i wish that i would have even opened a shop with that money instead of a spare part because we were located in an there were houses like these buildings that are built where there are houses upstairs and then there are businesses at the bottom it would have made more sense if i even opened a shop because then people would have been coming to the shop to just buy um what is it called like basics like a small mini supermarket sugar salt things like that i would have even done that but you know sometimes you listen to people's advice and you try something and it kind of backfires on you Anyway, so those are my four experiences. Sorry if this <laughs> this audio is very long. But yeah, those are my four worst experiences. And yeah, so in conclusion, I would like to know what are some of your worst experiences. If you're self-employed, you're a business owner, what are some of your traumatic experiences? What are those things that you sit back and look, at, look back at and you're like, whoo, how did I even survive? Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I really appreciate and bye.